but I heard a story about a family who watched it. Ay, nako. And then, <laughs> so the whole family watched it, but then that night, the whole family had the same nightmare. From experience, like like you, I am a scaredy cat, and that's because things happen, and I don't want things to happen, but they do. And um, I believe, but I would rather not. Welcome to the Grid Magazine Podcast Special Edition Scary Stories. That's what we're going to be talking about today. Our favorite campfire or roadside ghost stories from our travels around the Philippines. And today we have Editor-in-Chief Nina Unlai joining us. Nina, hello. Hi, Paco. I'm also the scaredy cat in the room just so everyone knows that's usually my line <laughs> that's my line all right and that's miguel nascenseno president of grid magazine miguel do you have any scary story uh, stories for us today only, i'm sure you have a lot only stories you've you guys have told me nina i'm the scaredy cat not you <laughs> okay well we can we'll decide at the end of the podcast and joining us all the way from New Jersey is Fraulein Econar, one of our favorite staff, ex-staff members and current contributor. Fraulein, hello. Hello, hello. Nice to be back. And finally, to make sure the Great Magazine team doesn't go off the rails, we actually have an expert on horror stories or the um, stories we like to scare ourselves silly with, Yvette Tan. Yvette, hello. Hi, hello, Paco. Hello, everyone. I too am a scaredy cat, believe it or not. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I don't believe. This is going to be, I hope all your lights are on wherever you might be. Now, Yvette, um, I'm going to start with you because you wrote a beautiful story for Grid Magazine a a while back called City of the Lost about a city called Biringan that actually doesn't exist. Could you tell us a little bit about, about this story? Okay. Um, they say that there's a mystical city somewhere in Samar called Biringan, and it you only find it when you, you're lost. Sometimes it's there, sometimes it isn't. And it's, uh, it's very weird because unlike you know stories you hear about um, elementals or supernatural stories where or where they talk about fairyland, it's all and it's all nature, you know, naturey stuff. Biringan is quite the opposite. It's all high tech, so it's like our very own Wakanda. There are stories of people who uh, who get orders for like logs or cement blocks, and then they'll take it to a place, and then there's nothing there, um, and then the city appears, disappears, and you don't really know where it is. But you you go into the article a little bit. And you analyze it quite well because it's weird. As you said, usually when we hear of these mystical places, it's in the clouds and there are elementals and beings. But this is supposed to be a city that's incredibly technologically advanced, uh, inhabited by these enlightened enlightened beings. Why, why is it supposed to be technologically advanced? You know, I don't know. That's, that's just part of the story, which makes it really interesting. Um, because you have a supernatural story that where the draw really is technology, like it's a city, it's an urban area. How did you find out about this story, Yvette? I'm just curious. Is it like one of those tales that's word of mouth, passed down from person to person, or 
Yes. Um, it, I, I found, the first time I found out about it was I was giving a lecture on horror stories. Uh, I really am a scaredy cat, but for some reason I write horror all the time. So I was giving a lecture on horror stories in Silliman University and a student asked me about it. And I hadn't heard about it until then. So when you guys asked me to write about it, I was like, yes, game. <laughs> this is awesome. And it's not, it's not something you hear about because when people talk about, like I said, like supernatural creatures in the Philippines, they want the more rural. They want the scarier things. They want the aswang, the chanak, the manananggal. But here, it's, it's more fantasy than horror, really. Like you want to live there. Holy shit, it has a Wikipedia entry. Oh. Well, I, I can see that a technologically advanced city in the Philippines would be a little bit of a fantasy, actually, <laughs> given <laughs> the way right? our roads and our infrastructure has been going. I, I can see the fantasy side. Now, Yvette, how, why the interest in, in horror stories? As you yourself have said, you're a, you're a naturally born scaredy cat. Um, people have been asking me that for the longest time, and I still don't have an answer. Uh, what you know, I'll go with what people say. I write what scares me. I write all my fears out. But I also like chismes is the real thing. So growing up, I like to listen to stories. I like to listen to folk tales. Um, these are the stories that attract me. So I grew up in the eighties, and um, like you had people talking about supernatural things very casually. Like, for example, the San Juanico Bridge, there were rumors about how people would disappear at night. And, you know, this was during martial law. So people really would disappear. But they linked it to the bridge somehow because they were like, they disappeared because they were being offered, you know, to the bridge so that the supernatural creatures living around it wouldn't be mad at the ruling family at that time. Because the, the, the chismes, like the rumor was, one of them, uh, some blocks fell into the water and they put a curse on Imelda Marcos specifically. So they had to keep offering people so that that curse would go away. So it was, it's things like that. I love how supernatural beliefs like, are, uh, coincide with actual history. So, and I guess in, the, in terms of Biringan, it is fantasy. Like, you're absolutely right. In the Philippines, where fantasy for us is an urban city where everything works. You have nice roads. You have, like, flying cars. You have people not having to be resilient. Like, people living their best lives. I really love that comparison to Wakanda because for some reason, that just really frames things for me. In my mind, I saw it clearly. Like, oh, okay, I, I, I get it now. And I didn't realize it until Black Panther came out. I was like, oh, that's Biringan. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, hmm. Actually, speaking of movies and uh, horror stories, Miguel, you're part of a podcast yeah. that on a weekly basis talks about horror in cinema. Tell yeah. us a bit about that. Uh, well, that's been a guest, but basically, uh, so each episode we get a person who's very familiar with horror, like if that's a horror writer, we've had horror movie script writers, uh, directors of horror films, and people like that. They've come on the show to talk about their favorite horror film. And I got roped into it because we needed a bit of a spread. Like Chris Costello, a good friend of ours, uh, mine and Yvette's, 
he's a big horror fan. Like he watches anything horror. Like if like anything, any movie that comes out, even before it hits cinemas or if it's on stream, streamers, he's seen it. Uh, and then there's Aaron who likes horror, but isn't necessarily a film buff, but enjoys horror films for what they are for a good scare. And there's me. Uh, I like I like watching movies, but horror is a bit of a like. There's I have a gap in terms of horror movies because it's something I don't elect to watch, uh, like on my own. But you watch so, it with other people. Uh, I've you know what I say that ironically because I've actually seen some horror movies alone. But I do. I mean, in fact, even with a group of people, I used to not have fun watching horror films and then it's kind of ironic now during the pandemic we put up a horror podcast and now i have to watch horror movies alone in my house so uh, i know i try to watch it during the day during noontime and then you know with with enough of daylight to sort of get over it after a while but to be fair i think we've recorded around i'm not sure now maybe 15 episodes at least and i've only chickened out once like i I, there's a movie I was supposed to watch because one of our one of our guests loved it so much, and I didn't last five minutes. I I ended it. It was the Conjuring, the Conjuring. Oh, movie. oh. Yeah, not, yeah, I yeah. will never watch that movie. Yep. yep. I've, I've heard too many. Yeah, I heard yeah. one of my my dad's friends, or I don't remember if this is accurate, but I heard a story about a family who watched it. I know. And then, wait, so the whole family watched it, but then that night, the whole family had the same nightmare. See? Yes. Oh my goodness. So, so, so good. All right, ladies and gentlemen, and that's the end of this podcast. Thank you for joining us. Like, they all had the same nightmare. So, I, I never, I was like, I'm not. Anywhere near that movie, like why are we why are we even recording this at night? Whose idea was this? I don't know. This was Papa's <laughs> idea to record it. Okay, uh, Nina, wait. Um, for those of you who don't know, actually, Nina um, does have a slight connection to the occult, if I can use that word, what Nina. I mean, connection. You you do feng shui. You practice feng shui. Okay. I, you yeah. read tarot cards. Okay. Um, All right. Yes. And you were the instigator of this podcast. Actually, I, actually so, it was our it, it was our writers' ideas. They wanted me here for my crazy on assignment stories. But I will agree. Yes, I am a I'm a, okay. The reason I'm such a scaredy cat is because I am a big believer. Like oh, I, no. I am. I am a big believer. That's why I do the the feng shui and the tarot cards because I believe in spirits. I believe in energy. I believe in like, uh, what do you call it? I believe in vibes, but yeah. I, it doesn't mean I want to see the vibes. I, I <laughs> know that they're there and I feel it, Like, but I don't, but I am afraid. <laughs> Nina, so give me, a, give me an example of, 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 a tra- of you traveling where um, your, your favorite, you know, when someone asks, hey, Nina, have you ever had an encounter or a ghost story? What, what's that story? Oh, okay. I want to I tell this story and then I want to ask Yvette. A question um oh so my God. no 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 i swear i have this i have a story okay so um i invited a couple of friends who were foreigners so they're european um over to the philippines and this is not an on assignment story but it's just a, a story i like to tell um so i invited a couple of foreign friends over um to kind of visit we wanted to travel together we went to la union and we stayed in this I forget the name of the place, but it was fairly new. 
Um, and I hadn't stayed in it before, but someone said it was okay. It's, someone recommended it, and I, I went back to him after and said, like, why would, why did you do that? Um, because the place was built over like a stream, like it was built on top of a body of water, um, and very shakily. So like, okay, feng shui. Going back to the feng shui, that's not a good, <laughs> it's not a good way to construct buildings. They shouldn't. They should be sturdy. They shouldn't be on top of of bodies of water that's not a good you're disrupting the flow anyway so we stayed in this place and it, it already had like a very creepy vibe to begin with like um it was really dark in some areas it, you kind of just generally felt unsettled so i felt very unsettled my one of my best friends who was with me she's also filipino she was pretty unsettled the whole time we just had a hard time sleeping it was that kind of place um and then the next day um, one of my foreign friends, she she she's like, I had the strangest dream last night, and then she goes on to she goes on to like describe the most accurate description of a bangungot I have ever heard in my life. Oh no! Like she goes, <laughs> yeah, it was like it was just textbook bangungot. Like she was like, I woke up and then I looked in the mirror, but it was this room. Like I woke up in this room and then I went over to that mirror and I looked inside and there was an eye in the middle of my forehead and it opens and then suddenly my whole face turns into a bunch of eyes and then someone like starts choking me and i can't move and then i wake up in this room again but i can't move and that happens like a couple more times and like me and my best friend who are filipino and who have like you know what what is who've heard all the stories we're like looking at each other like oh, she couldn't have just made that up right like like what what is going on Anyway, that was super creepy. I wanted to leave immediately. But of course, my friends who were foreigners had no idea. Like, they weren't afraid. They just, like... And I guess that, that was going to be my question. It's like, my, pers my perception of, like, Filipino culture is, like, it's very rich for, like, horror storytelling. I don't know if, like, that's correct or not. Like, I, I wanted to ask Yvette, like, it kind of feels like we have such rich folklore and, like, you know stories and just like culture like does it make it am, am i correct in assuming that it makes it like there's a lot you can do in terms of telling horror stories i just feel like the philippines is a scarier country than other countries is what i'm trying to say like i feel safer living in, in europe or something <laughs> in terms of like in other ways but also in this way that i don't feel like i'm looking over my shoulder or something if i'm if i'm walking down a dark alley i'm more afraid of serial killers than i am of like a an aswang okay um my answer to that is yes and no. Yes, we have a lot of supernatural creatures and there are many, many things to scare you with at night. Um, but we're not like scarier than other people, other countries. And uh, from experience, like, like you, I am a scaredy cat and that's because things happen and I don't want things to happen, but they do. And um, I believe, but I would rather not. Uh, oh. if, if you know what I mean so um, I also do tarot and um, I'm very the reason I don't do anything but tarot is because I'm really lazy so I don't do spells I don't do anything because that requires like a lot of cleanup afterwards mm. psychic cleanup but to answer your question about the other countries um, from experience not necessarily because I accidentally like I didn't used to be sensitive 
but I accidentally became sensitive because I was in another country. And from my personal experience, you know, you're used to being here. No, nobody notices you. The spirits don't really notice you. You go abroad, and you're everyone gravitates towards you. You're like a you know, you're like a beacon because you're different. Like you're not of that place. Um, Miguel knows this story. So um, I visit New Orleans. I was there with a friend who's sensitive, and I wasn't. And so we did everything. We did all the museums. We did Bourbon Street. You know, we, we did French Quarter. And she come, she used to complain at night. She'd be like, you know, our neighbors are really loud. And I'm like, I don't hear anything. And so she knew that there must be something already. I didn't pay attention to that. Then she left for New Jersey, where she's based. And I was left alone. And she said, you know, why don't you go look at the, take a tour of the plantations? So I'm like, okay, I'll take a tour of the plantations. Why not? So you're on the, around the plantations, have a good time. On the way back home, and I, I wasn't sensitive, but I was intuitive already because I was reading tarot at that time already. On the way back home, I hear a voice in my head in Tagalog. And I don't think in Tagalog, which is why it's very strange. I hear a voice in my head go, magpagpagka. And I'm like, why am I going to make pagpag? I came from, I, know, I didn't come from a cemetery, completely forgetting that a plantation has, you know, Aside from people buried there, there are a lot of bad vibes. You know, all of that, centuries of, of slavery. Um, yeah, such bad vibes. So I go back to the hotel. And then uh, that night, I couldn't sleep with the light off. Like whenever I turned the light off, I'd hear loud noise. And then that's when I understood, like, okay, this is what my friend was talking about. So I leave the light on. The next day, I didn't think anything of it. My friend um, who the, texts me from Manila, he's psychic. See, uh, Rob Rubin from Mr. Manila. He's like uh, who I partly learned tarot from because I self-taught. And then I, want, I, I went for extra lessons there. He was like, oh, how are you? Who are two guys you're with? I'm like, two guys? I'm alone in my hotel room. What's going on? So long story short, he figures out that two spirits had followed me. Uh, one was white, one was black. And I said, okay, um, how do I not take them with me? How do I leave them here? And he says, okay, they want you to offer them oysters, an oyster, and leave it as low to the, you know, as close to the ground as possible. So I was flying out that day, but, and I, and I, I had plans to eat in the rest, you know, Dookie Chase, which is a restaurant connected to the, um, the, the black, you know, movement. Um, but I had to cancel all that because now I had to go find a place that served oysters. So I find a place that served oysters. I buy oysters. I take, you know, you can't just buy one piece. You have to buy the whole plate. So uh, I took one piece, put it near the window, ate the whole plate. Um, and then I noticed when I left that the waiter had, and even while I was eating, the waiter cleared everything except that oyster near the window. So I'm like, they know. Everyone in this town knows what's going on. Um, and then after that, I came back and I could I can feel things now sometimes, um, mostly energy. So I'll go into a room and I'll be like, nope, not going in there. My head's aching. And um, and I've had it corroborated by other psychics. So this is how I know that Fort Santiago is very, very, very haunted. Um, yeah, I can tell you that story if you want. <laughs> 
But there, that's how I found myself sensitive. Um, what do you mean? Oh, well, apparently Japan has a lot of things. Because I was in Japan recently. And uh, I was staying in my friend's place in Yokohama, which is partly urbanized. So she was near like agricultural area. So there was a person one plantation behind her house, that sort of thing. And there was like a forested area in front. Uh, so the bus stop, it takes 10 minutes to walk from the bus stop to her house. So I was there with my boyfriend and then we were walking back to her house. And then this one isn't the ghost part yet, but I could hear a lone bird squawking in the night. And I was like, okay, I understand now why the tick-tick is so scary. Because if you hear a lone bird in the dead of night following you, of course you're going to think something's after you. But uh, so I turned my flashlight on because I'm disabled and I had to see my way. And I could see things following the light, like humanoid, like white humanoid creatures, kind of like what you see in anime. And then they were just like going towards the beam of light. So I'm like, okay, I'm turning the light off now. Not telling my boyfriend what's going on. He found out in Manila and that's when he freaked out. He's like, why didn't you tell me? I'm like, I didn't want to scare you and you can't see. So, you know, nothing happened. So anywhere talaga. So it's not necessarily, we aren't necessarily scarier than most, but we have our own demons. Well, not demons, we have our own monsters. Mm. Fro, you were going to say something earlier. Right. I think that there's such a social element to telling stories. I think the same, I feel the same way about horror films. Like I don't watch horror films on my own, I love the feeling of feeling scared with other people. And like, remember when we were in, when you we were all in Lilom for planning uh, and we were gathered around and we were just telling, like that's, that's, the, that's a perfect um, situation for me to share horror stories. Like in, at any other point in my life, I would never, you know what I mean? <laughs> Or it just randomly, you know, tell scary stories. Oh, shit. That reminds me of the question I wanted to ask you, Vet. <laughs> um, you know, what, what, does, what does the nature of our horror stories, like, say about the Philippines' culture or history? Like, what does it mean that we're scared of, you know, like, the white ladies? Or what does it mean that um, we have Chanaks? Or what does it mean that um we cover up you know all these like historical um, injustices for example by uh, you know slapping on some story on top of it you know i i don't think i think it just means we're human we make things up or we put meaning to things and turn them into monsters to, to make it to make the fear more real but also less scary but that's that's a personal opinion but at the same time um, like not all of them some of these like all of these monsters have historical basis but we always we never remember them like for example the aswang there's a theory going around that it's a recent invention and it was a psyops operation by the Americans in yes. World War II. Is this in yeah, so, Iloilo? Yeah. I'm not sure, probably, where they'd like kill people, hang them on trees and whatever, and say that, oh, the swan got them. 
So people started believing in that. And then the Capre, uh, there's a theory that the Capre, you know, because he's tall and he smokes a cigar, he wasn't, uh, he's also recent. Like he used to be the sick bodyguard of, I forget which president, in Malacanang. And um, I, somebody explained this. I forget what the word is, but Capre comes from a Hindu word that's kind of close. And because it refers to a sick bodyguard, who he told, like, of course, people, you know, Filipinos, we like looking at things. So to prevent people from going up and harassing this poor man, he'd be like, you know, don't talk to him. Just leave him alone. He's scary. And over time, that became our Capre. So all these things have... Um, roots in real life. And I was reading a book a, a while ago about Maxima Ram, uh, by Maxima Ramos where he explains how everything has an agriculture, like we're an agricultural country, so all these things have roots in agriculture. Like the way we are, the way we're mahiyain, the way we, we value community, it all comes from um, uh, people who value the land. And same with our stories. Our stories, our horror stories, are meant to bring us together and keep us together so that we stay as one, as a whole community. But again, those are just theories. It seems like you're speaking to the natural human tendency to tell stories, which is a very effective way of understanding something that, you know, uh, before science came around, uh, it was very hard to understand the causation of something. It, It was easier to assimilate a difficult situation when it had a nice story behind it, right? I was just going to say that, yes, because the storyteller in me is arguing with the believer in me <laughs> right now. Yeah, but Nina, let, let, me, let me pick up on that point because I think in this podcast, uh, and there are five of us, there are the ones like yourself, like Yvette, I'm going to throw my hat in there, the ones who see and feel. And then the ones who always say, oh, I don't see or feel anything ever. Is that a fair, is that a fair line to be drawn? Miguel, do you see? Fraulein, do you, do you see? This is going to sound weird, but I'm really a non-believer of these things. Two, uh, <laughs> if it were true, but I think it's a matter of sensitivity. So it's degrees, like it's a slider. So it's never, it's never, I don't see anything at all. And it's never I see everything. Or at least those are ends of a spectrum. Yeah, good point. Because some people mm. see, some people smell, some people hear, some people feel. Yeah. So so like I like intellectually, I am a non-believer of these things, but in experience, uh, I might have a very slight sensitivity. And what experience might that be, Miguel? All right, I hate this. You know what? When when we broached this idea about about having ghost stories on assignments and or just having experiences by yourself, but I, I always automatically say I've never experienced that because, like I said, intellectually, but I'm an unbeliever. But I actually, in hindsight, have one very benign experience, uh, and I was on assignment for, of all things, a food magazine. Uh, we were in. Uh, Zamboanga. I forget which Zamboanga. So we were in one of those old resorts uh, by the beach owned by a politician, but we were there on a junket. And I had to share a room with my editor who I just had met on the, on the plane ride. And then like, 
we shared a room and then the first night, like it had an old place vibe. Like, you know, it's like a resort from the eighties or maybe late seventies. And you had little uh, cabanas or rooms separate from each other, like to, via a dark walkway, you know, like it wasn't a brightly lit spot, but it was a, and during the daytime, it was a nice place. But anyway, uh, after like, I got out, like on the first day at night, I got out of the shower and I had a little start. Like, I kind of, like, jumped in because I thought I saw an old lady in the room. But it was such in, in the corner of the room right beside my side of the bed. And, you know, I'm like, and it was just like a, I guess it was a malikmata. Malikmata is like when you think you see something, but you, you probably didn't, right? Is that the description of a malikmata? Yes, yes, yes. Okay, so it was just that. Like, oh, you know, my just my imagination playing... I know, unprompted because I didn't feel afraid of man or anything. And then, so I, that was one night out of like, I think a two night trip. And then on the way home on the plane, my, the editor who I had just had met on the show, but we became good friends. She suddenly brought up the topic of, do you ever, like she asked me, do you ever, do you have a third eye or do you see things? And I go, not really. Then she goes, actually I do. I go, oh, and I, and I think I said, was there anything on our trip that kind of caught your attention? Then she goes, actually, yes. Now that on our way home, I can tell you that there was a little kid in her room who kept running around, who kept running around like restlessly, but he wouldn't go to your corner because there was an old lady there. <laughs> and then, oh, and then, You've told me the story. Yes, I've told you the story. But uh, I laughed it off and I was laughing. But every time I tell the story now, the hair on my arms just like go up a little. And then, but you know, it, it was, it's a, ben- I say it's a benign experience because there was no threat. There was, there was no mal, there was like no evil force or it didn't feel that way. It was just like benign elementals or something, if I were a believer. Yeah, because they're not, I mean, there's not all bad spirits anyway, yeah. right? Good, there's control. I mean, that's how my friends who also have open third eyes kind of describe. Mm. Like, there are neutral spirits, there are entities ah. that are beyond, like more than, parang a spirit mm. na. Then there are good ones who are, or and then there are playful spirits who just, yeah. you know, who will just hide your pen once in a while or something. <laughs> hide your what? You know, you know, like they play yeah. with you. Sometimes they, you know, with that feel. Well, I don't know. I since I yeah. believe it. Sometimes when I feel like I'm losing my things, but it's not where they're really meant to be, mm. and they're they are or they aren't, and like you know, sometimes I think that's a playful sprite, like kind of like screwing with me, and then I'll find it later when I'm when when they're done. Nina, let me let me Nina, let me pick up on that idea, and this is a question for you and Yvette, well, to all of you really. It seems like in all these stories, uh, whether it be personal experiences or more formalized uh, stories, there seems to always be that balance, right? Um, there's, the, there's the bad spirit, the good spirit, the neutral spirit. Um, Yvette, is, does this exist a lot in, in the Filipino mythology, that sense of, of balance of, of good and evil or um, just a sense of almost uh, inbuilt uh, justice and right and wrong with these stories? You know, I've never thought about it that way. Um, I just know that there are some creatures who are benign, 
like maybe duende who can be good, bad, or you know, um, neutral. And there there can be malignant creatures like nananggal, chana. But then um, most of the time, if you leave them alone, they'll leave you alone unless they're hunting for food. But you know, at the same time, who can blame them? Everyone goes hungry. Uh, I've only heard good and evil in terms of human counterparts. So mambabarang, mangkukulam, ambalario, albalario, and um, albalario will generally be good people because they're there to help you. They're herbalists. The mangkukulams and the mambabarangs will generally be bad people because, you know, they'll harm you. They'll put spells on you. But it, when it comes to the creatures themselves, they're just going they're just doing what their nature tells them to do. I guess maybe for the Encantos, again, because they're a bit more human-like, if they like you, they'll take you to their land and never let you leave, which is very, very close to European fairy lore. And when you think about it, our Encantos are always, they, they look European. Like, they're always mapote, they're always pale, they have European features, but we're in an Asian, you know, we, we have Malay features. What's going on? So I don't know if it was something important when the Spanish came over or if there really is a race of people and they all look like that wherever they are all over the world. Did I answer your question? Yes, ab- yes, absolutely. Uh, um, Fräulein has been suspiciously quiet here. Fräulein, do you have any... Uh, first of all, do you consider yourself uh, an, um, a believer, a non-believer? Uh, do you feel, do you see? And if so, what have you felt? What have you seen? Um, I don't think I'm sensitive at all, uh, and I prefer it that way. But I am open to the idea. Of, I think that you know, um, like different energies are just things that our minds can't comprehend yet. That's 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 how I choose to interpret it. Um, and so I don't discount any of that at all. Like I I believe that there are things that our minds can't comprehend, and the way we the way we make sense of them is, you know, the way we know how, uh, the way that our brains will allow us to. So I'm open, but I just am personally, it just feels like they never happened to me. Like I've literally been in situations where everybody in the room has seen the thing except me. <laughs> Count yourself be, lucky. Be happy. That makes me think about like the role that scary stories play in society because I don't interact with it on a daily basis in the way that some people who are sensitive do. I know that some people like, you know, it's just a reality. They'll just bump into a thing. They don't know if it's real or not real or not quote unquote real, but you, you know what I mean? But for me, because I don't interact with it often, um, I think that, um, you know, those kinds of beings or scary stories or whatever, like they're they're always born out of a place of discomfort, um, or or unfamiliarity. Like when you're in a new place, when you're visiting a new house, when you're, do you, you know what I mean? We hope you're enjoying this special scary stories episode of the Grid Magazine podcast. We'd like to take a moment here to thank our sponsor, Asus. They've got a new product on the market. It's called the Zen Screen MB16 Ace Portable Monitor. Whether you're watching scary movies like Mignac or you're actually working at your home office, 
two screens are always better than one. The Zen Aces Zen screen MB16 Ace provides you an on-the-go monitor so you can have two screens anywhere and anytime. The Zen Screen MB16 Ace only requires a single USB connection for both power and video transmission from your host device, so no more fiddling with HDMI cables. It features an innovative solution for USB Type-C connections and for USB Type-A connections for full compatibility with your laptops or your desktops. Again, thank you to Asus ZenScreen MB16 Ace portable monitor. It is available at Shopee, Lazada, and of course, Asus authorized sellers nationwide. SRP is 13,290. If you want to know more about Asus products, you can follow Asus for Business or Asus Philippines at their LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook pages. Now back to the show with a few more creepy, scary stories. Okay, I'm going to throw in my my event. earlier earlier on. You talk about that trip that you believe uh, was the one that made you sensitive to these things, and eventually yeah. has led to many articles and books. And oh no, this was way after. This was after I had been writing already. Ah, but it triggered that sensitivity in you. Yes. I forgot uh, the ending. Like, I forgot to end it. Like, so I asked my friend, why did these spirits follow me? And then he goes, oh, because they like exotic women. I'm like, oh my goodness. So my takeaway from that trip was, pamatay ang beauty ko. Literally, pampatay ang beauty ko. <laughs> That's what you call ethereal beauty. <laughs> that was... Yeah, so that that was my takeaway, pala. So you're there. So what was your question? But I, I like how I but I like how the spirits have can have a crush, you know, <laughs> and a sense of humor, and they, the, the, these energies always seems to have a, a very a personality, right? And it's it's curious that we give these entities uh, uh, personalities. Um, I think I find it very comical, actually. But what's your story, Paco? Oh, I feel like I've story? heard oh. it before, but I'm getting um, ready. Yeah, you know, like like any anybody who grew up in the Philippines as a kid, there was always that one balete tree in your lola's garden that they always said, "Oh, don't go near there. The duendes live there." So I'd always grown up hearing the typical everyday Pinoy um, belief system of entities and deities and spirits, but I'd never actually had anything, um, had any experience until one day, and this was in, this happened in Malaysia, um, in the, in the early nineties, we had been driving, uh, for about five or six hours pre-dawn to a river, um, where there's a community and the community was already quite well known in Malaysia as being, a, an artist's haven where you had, you know, pretty far out there. I won't use the word hippies, but these far out there artists had created a little community by this river up in the mountains in the middle of nowhere. And I'd gone with a stylist who had been there before and had some friends uh, who lived there. So the idea was to do a, a fashion shoot. Uh, we arrived and we went by a quiet corner of the river. The river wasn't very... 
high at the time. It was about maybe halfway up your shin, but the river was very wide. So it was about two, 300 meters. It's a wide river, but very shallow all across. And we, we set up, I put my camera on a tripod in the middle of the river. Uh, this was the film days. So as I, I asked the model to pose about, you know, 20, 30 feet in front of me, um, I put my Polaroid back on the camera. Uh, for those of you who don't know about film, we use Polaroid to test our shots. So I put the Polaroid, I took two frames within maybe three seconds of each other without moving the camera, without changing exposure, nothing. I pull the Polaroids, I give them the 60 seconds, they develop, I open them, I take a look, okay, perfect, exposure is good, focus is good. I hand them off to my assistant and we start shooting. And it was a very, it was a very nice river, it was very calm, there was no wind, the sun was starting to come up. It was very picturesque, beautiful set. Hours later, uh, just as we were ending, maybe around 11, 11.30, before we were going to go to someone's house for lunch, one of these artists arrived. And you could tell, you know, dreadlocks, wearing a handwoven vest, probably from Nepal, stereotypical uh, hippie artist, uh, comes to, to visit us. We're by the car. And what we do is we had all our Polaroids laid out uh, on a board just so we could keep track, the stylist and I could keep track how many outfits, how many layouts we'd done. And I said hello to this artist and, and he stood beside me and he looked at the, the board with about 30 or 40 Polaroids on them in no particular order. And the first thing he says to me, even before he says hello, is like, oh, the spirit of the river came out this morning to say hello to you guys. I went, okay, wow, that's a, that's a great opening line. Um, <laughs> and I said, well, what, what, what do you mean? He says, here, you photograph here. I'm like, no, it's, that's the model. It's like, no, wait, I'll show you. So he reaches down and without, no, he didn't know this, but he took the very first Polaroid I shot. Oh. He picked it up and he said, here, the lady of the spirit of the river came to say hello. And I looked at the Polaroid and looked at the boy and said, the only thing I see is a model standing in the middle of a river with a tree line behind her, about 100 meters behind her was a tree line, really tall tropical forest trees. And he could see that I was confused, right? So he said, look, and he puts his finger on the far right of the first Polaroid. And he says, can't you see the silhouette of a woman? And lo and behold, the light and the shadow and the trees made the shape of about a 150 foot woman. You Ooh. could see her hair on one side, wow. her jawline, her nose, her shoulder, part of her breast, her hip, her knee and her foot on the other side. Wow. Listen, Show us the Polaroid. Holy wow. cow. I don't have it anymore. Wow. Yeah, oh. I don't. And the funny thing is I said, okay, that might just be the light. So I picked up the second Polaroid I took, which was maybe five seconds between shots, mm. less. Nothing moved. Remember, I was mm. on a tripod. No settings were changed. I put them together and the model hadn't even moved. She was still in the same pose. And yet the outline on the woman on the upper right-hand side of the Polaroid was gone. Oh, same trees, oh same wow. angle. I checked, my, I checked my negatives after it, and it didn't appear anywhere else. And through lunch, we ended up having lunch with him, actually. He, I, I asked him, how did you see that? And he says, well, that's how the elementals present themselves. When you think you see something out of the corner of your eye, and you look at it and it's gone, right? He says, that's how they do it. They take very... Uh, 
very fast forms of light and shadow and shape of what's there because they can't physically control matter, but they can sort of play with the edges of matter, which is at the edge of your of your eye line. And that was it. From then on, um, I can't watch horror movies alone when I'm traveling because I have to sleep with the lights on. That's my that was my and, story. Paolo, this is the one that freaked you out, not the other story you have when you were in. Uh... You know the problem. The problem with that story. thing is that there there are so many stories now, and it strangely enough, and I don't know if this happens to anybody else. It happens when you least expect. It. You're not you're not out looking for it. You just yeah. turn a corner or enter a room, and you're like, oh crap. Yeah, this is actually similar to Ahmed's story. I was traveling in Guatemala and after a very long day, we arrived on this island in the middle of a lake in Guatemala. Very tired, we finally, and the huts are in trees. So they're tree houses, quite high. And it's a whole, the way it's set up, you can't see the next cottage. So you really are, you know, 360 degrees is just this beautiful Guatemalan, again, a rainforest. And um, they already warned us, hey, at about 10.30, we shut off the generators um, and we turned it on in the morning again. It's like, okay, fine, no problem. I was there exhausted, just unpacking, getting you organized, and the generators went off. And at first I was, okay, I'll just reach for my flashlight and I'll just finish <laughs> packing and then I'll, I'll go to bed. Within seconds, it felt like, you know, when you're standing on stage and you know there are about a thousand people looking at you. Oh, this is so good. Oh, yeah. That's what it felt like the whole night. I could not sleep, Yvette. I was, I stayed up listening to my iPod for the older generations um, <laughs> because it had it was the only thing that had battery light left in it. And the whole night, I felt like I was being watched by thousands of people. Oh, wow! And like Miguel's story, the next day I wake up. We have breakfast. I was wrecked. And the guide said, well, okay, so today, sorry we couldn't brief you last night because we arrived so late, but today we're going to go visit the cliff where 5,000 native Guatemalans threw themselves off of to avoid being captured by the Spanish conquistadors. <laughs> like, oh, oh, my man. goodness. <laughs> oh, Fantastic. Wow. I've been telling the story wrong, Paco. I've been telling people this story of yours, and I've been telling it wrong, Pala. Yours is much better, because in, in my version of in my version of Paco's story, so exacto, like he was in a treehouse, you could see nothing, but he felt he was being watched. So he looked out the window and saw thousands of red eyes looking at him, and and he just and then he just like closed this. That's a new version. No, oh, that's a new version. That story evolved. Oh no! Now I have to tell everybody I've told that story too now. I wasn't, it wasn't quite accurate. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you can make them listen to this podcast and then they'll yeah. know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, well, um, who's, whose scary story haven't, haven't we heard, though? Who hasn't told their Pro-line, scary story? Proline. Proline. Proline has one about when she wasn't even born yet. I don't yes. remember. I, I won't forget that story. For yeah, me one. also. The one of your mom when she was pregnant. With you. With you, who might not be here today if the story went a different direction. 
I feel like it's very ironic that I'm not sensitive given that that's like, that's how my life started. You know what I mean? So the story, the story is that, um, my mom and my dad, they were in Cebu, uh, oh, they were living in Cebu at the time and they board this jeepney and a few minutes later, I'm not sure long, um, an old woman also boards the jeep. Um, and then suddenly like a hush falls inside the vehicle um and the like the old woman starts to become like very visibly my mom is pregnant with me by the way like heavily pregnant uh and my and the like the woman starts like becoming very like visibly uncomfortable she sits i think right next to my mom or right across my mom i'm not sure what the details are but she's very uncomfortable and she's very fixated on my mom's belly and she starts sweating and she starts like it, she starts getting really really uncomfortable until like that i don't know if that compelled her to leave or if she was driven out but she leaves the jeepney and the moment that happens everybody there asks her like are you okay are you okay and my mom is like yeah i'm fine what happened and then they said that you know she probably wanted me the baby inside you know, I've heard this story on assignment in Cebu. <laughs> what? I didn't know it was you. Oh my god! Oh, that, yes, that old like, lady. Uh, the manager of the hotel I was staying at at that time. Holy shit! This is amazing. I mean, okay. you know, you're, you're like I heard the story in about two thousand. That old lady has probably. Yes, okay. you're an urban legend. This lady has had many victims. I'm very sure. Mm. Have had only she couldn't have wanted only one child. You know what what I mean? did the passengers? What did the passengers say that the, the the lady was? Was she an elemental? Was she a manangal? Man- manangal. Man- I'm not sure what the as well. Is the ones who eat uh, babies or a swan, right? Uh, manangal or a swan? Mm. Yeah, a swan. See, can I just? Can I just say that this is why earlier in the conversation when we were talking about like, oh, storytelling, it makes sense of the like the things we can't make sense of. Like the storyteller in me and the believer in me were like battling because yes, we turn things we don't understand into stories, but also how do we explain stories that are all the same coming from like different people who have the same experiences? Like that's that's the part of me that is like, well, story, storytellers, there are certain aspects of storytellers didn't get in a room and say like, okay, this is what we decide, huh? like the Mananangal is XYZ or the Aswang is XYZ. And yet somehow we emerge with like stereotypes and, and prototypes of like what a scary figure is or looks like or whatever that somehow like corroborate. I don't know. If, like when I was a kid, my, my, I lived in the province and my grandma used to tell me this she used to tell me scary stories because they lived very deep in the province and they, I don't know if they lived next door to Aswang or Mananangal, but it was like, I, I don't know, maybe Yvette would know. It was like a creature that stole like my, my tita's like heart. And then they had to like, parang my great Lola had to like, there, there's this whole tale about how my great Lola had to go next door and like, um, like demand it back and some, it was very elaborate. And she used to tell me this like before going to sleep and I would be very scared. Um, and then I grew up and I asked my dad, like, dad, like, 
what do you make of these stories? Like, is there any truth to them or whatever? And my dad's not a believer. Like, my dad doesn't believe, he doesn't see, he doesn't anything. And he goes, like, the only thing I do know, though, is that every single one of them tells that story exactly the same. Like, they just, if all the details, everything is, like, down to the wire, same. So he doesn't know how or why, but they all have the same story. Wow. Did she, he, the, your neighbor literally stole her heart or figuratively? Like, yeah, that's, that's no, the, the story is literally, like, literally, my tita was dead. And that's how, the, that's how my grandma tells the story. Like, um, we had a neighbor, it was a bad, parang bad spirit or something. And then she, one day, I, I don't know why she told, she thought this was good bedtime story for me. And she's like, um, and one day, parang your tita, because she was naughty, like she disturbed him, and then they they stole her heart. Um, and she was, parang she died, like literally in her story, she died. And then my lola had the storm next door, and like parang may dala pa siyang, like I don't know if it was a ball or something, because may weapon pa siyang dala, and she had to like fight them to return my tita's heart. Um, I, I I was very young when they were telling me the story, so it's super foggy, but. I asked my dad and he was like, they told me the exact same story when I was growing up in the exact same parang way. Wow. I've never heard that in the Philippine setting. Galing. Um, well, I guess, you know, <laughs> but, but you're right. I mean, these are things, the, like we say that these, all these stories are, are people's way of, getting you know and uh, understanding the unknown but at the same time they're unknown for a reason maybe they don't want to get caught maybe science hasn't discovered them yet so until then they're unknown so it doesn't mean they don't exist maybe it just means they haven't been yeah. figured out yet i think that's definitely where i fall on the spectrum like i i definitely can allow like i we we can't we can't be it you know like human beings the corporeal world like we cannot be it like we are limited and so I think it's hubris to believe that there are things beyond you. And there are things beyond us. We just don't know what they are. And we just, the only way that we can really encounter them or that we can engage with them is through our senses. And that's how our senses make sense of them. And speaking of uh, the things we can't explain, to, to end this podcast, um, I'm gonna ask each. I'm gonna ask each one of you a, a quick question. I'll start with Yvette. Yvette, one bit of superstition or a habit you do when you're traveling to keep yourself safe. It could be carrying a rosary. It could be whatever you want. Okay. Well, I I just started now. I bring rock salt with me and I shower with it. Like I'll take a. Uh, a tiny bit of rock salt, pour it, uh, put it on my head, make sure that the water flows all over my body just to get rid of whatever, if there's anything there, to get rid of it. Rock salt. Miguel, one bit of superstition or a practice you do when you're traveling? Oh, shit. I don't have one. Uh, come back to me. I, I, I know I have a tradition of when I get back home and I order from North Park, but that's... <laughs> I, I order from North Park. <laughs> 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 over fried rice 
and fried shrimp dumplings. Hey, Miguel, if yeah. it brings you luck and it brings you peace, it makes me feel. It, it makes me feel like I'm back home. <laughs> it's my turn. Good. Fraulein, what 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 bit of a superstition or or, mm-hmm. or practice do you do you do when traveling or returning home? Apparently, I I don't have anything. Um, I only so I'm a scaredy cat, so I just keep the lights on all the time, and I just feel comfort in the fact that I don't have to pay for the electricity bill. <laughs> <laughs> so you are not an environmentalist. Okay, understood. <laughs> Nina Unlai, please say something a little bit more eco-friendly. What do you do to keep yourself safe when traveling or when getting home? Like you said, I'm a big feng shui, feng shui believer. So I talk to the room. I like just in case. Oh. Yeah, just yeah. in case I say hi. Like parang tabi tabi po, but for the room. Mm. <laughs> like hi. Is it an incantation or uh, specific no. lines? I literally just say like, "Hey, hope hope it's okay that I'm here. I'm oh. only here for one night, like that. Oh, that. Like that makes sense. I should do Did that. You say it out loud. <laughs> yeah, I usually say I I say it out loud. Yeah, I say it out loud. Like I used to do it mentally, but then as I got older and more superstitious, I'm like, you know what? Screw it. I'll just what no one no one can judge me. Like hello room. Like I um, hope it's okay. Like I'll be gone tomorrow. Like I've started doing that ever since the the story I told at the beginning of this podcast with my foreign friend because they made fun of the room. I <laughs> oh, oh no! Yeah, they were foreigners, so parang, parang they oh. noticed that we got like kind of bothered yeah. by the, the oh, no. and they were like, "Ooh, parang ghosts!" Like, blah, blah. parang pinagtawanan pa sila. So I that's the start so, of a horror film, talaga. <laughs> yeah. So parang when they did that, of course. And my Filipino friend got more scared, and then they left. And then when they finally left, like the moment they left the room, they were like, "Oh, do you wanna? Do you want us to wait for you?" We we're like, "No, go ahead, go ahead." They left, and then me and my best friend went on a mass. Like, we're so sorry about them. Like, we, we they don't know any better. They're white. They don't live here. Like, <laughs> we did all the things. Yeah. Very Pinoy, no? Apologizing for other people. Just yun, parang after we apologized and we left, parang tinabi-tabi po na namin yung buong. We felt a lot better. Parang we had like a stop that just disappeared. Alright. So, with uh, this great, if I may summarize, um, traveling in an enchanted world with Grid Magazine, uh, talk to your rooms, keep the lights on no matter what, bring some rock salt, and when you get home, order some North Park. That's Those are the words of wisdom from our guests, Editor-in-Chief Nina Unlai, Contributor Fraulein Econar, President of Grid Magazine, Miguel Nascenceno, and our very special guest and reporter, writer, Yvette Dan. Thank you very much. Thank this you, Yvette. Been, Thanks, guys. This has been the Grid Magazine podcast where we talk about the scariest and creepiest <laughs> stories of travel from around the Philippines. You can find us on www.gridmagazine.ph or on Instagram, gridmagazine.ph.